three, two, one. one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a Sue Bird fan cast that sometimes talks about basketball. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm here joined with my beloved co-lover of Sue Bird, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? She shoots from three. Got him. That is my impression of Sue Bird. I think it was really good. Sue Bird, as you can tell, is our favorite basketball player, I would say in general. She just came off winning the WNBA championship, her third, and the Seattle Storm had an amazing season. I am very happy that I got to bandwagon and be a part of it. I went to game two of the finals. Sue Bird was amazing. She made a crazy, ridiculous shot. Sue Bird had the amazing game five in the conference finals where she erupted in the fourth quarter. And I'm very proud of her and the entire Seattle Storm roster. I'm going to the victory parade, which, oh, nice. when this is posted, will have just been yesterday, and uh, I'm sure I had a great time. <laughs> In the future, you definitely crushed it. It just so happens that we talked about Sue Bird and her amazing relationship, and then nary a few days later... She just destroyed it in the playoffs. She was absolutely ridiculous, and she did the whole thing with a broken nose. She broke her nose in that round of the playoffs, played game five of the face mask, played the rest of the finals with the face mask, while the Seattle Storm swept the Washington Mystics in the WNBA finals. And today, just purchased two Sue Bird shirts. One which has a picture of the face mask. Oh, I got them both. One is a picture of the face mask that says legend on it. And then on the outside, it says Seattle basketball legend Sue Bird. And then I got another one that's just a jersey from her 2016 USA Women's Basketball Olympic jersey. And I really enjoy it because it just says Bird on the back. And I want to see if someone would be like, oh, Larry Bird would be like, fuck you, it's Sue Bird. Get out of (laughs) here. We can wear matching outfits, but instead of in matching, you can wear the Sue Bird shirt jersey, and I can wear this Megan Rapinoe shirt jersey that I bought, and it's going to be confusing, but I think it's going to be worth it. Did you actually buy a Rapinoe jersey? Now I'm going to, now that this joke has totally landed. (laughs) Do we have a name for the fans of Sue Bird? Uh, I think they're bird watchers, obviously. Oh, I like bird watchers a lot. I will say at the WNBA finals, someone had a sign, which was a quote from the notebook that said, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. Oh, that's very good. that was incredible. They did a segment in the game, which was best sign of the game. And that one, when they showed it on the screen, I freaked out. Like, yes, you got to pick it. But then they picked a seven-year-old girl who was adorable that had a very adorable sign, which said, I've been waiting for this my whole life, which is very cute because they haven't won in. In eight years the last time they won the finals was 2010 so it was very adorable and they gave it to her but i think if you're a bird i'm a bird it was way funnier <laughs> also that child is not pithy enough to come up with that sign by herself so. oh their parents came up with it yeah it was like the science fair but for signs <laughs> today to- <laughs> today in seattle i want to show you my volcano and how it matters to Sue Bird. Before we move on to NBA stuff, I really quickly wanted to gush about Sue Bird's season because Sue Bird is 37 years old. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast. She's 37? Oh my yeah. God. She's been in the league since 2002. So this season, she was a WNBA All-Star. She was second in the league in assists 
and assists per game, and she was fourth in the league in three-point shooting percentage. She's 37. That's very good. Absolutely incredible. So shout out to Sue Bird. Now I have a new goal. The original goal was to get Doris Burke and Zach Lowe on the podcast. I'm now adding Sue Bird to our Mount Rushmore of dream guests for horse. Can we add Shea Serrano on as the fourth one? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's our four. That is our Mount Rushmore. I like that very If much. anyone listening has connections with any of those four human beings, hit a boy or two boys up. Brian Scalabrini, you're on the bench. If we get one, we'll move you up. But for now, it's fine. Uh, well, that was Bird Watching, a podcast about Sue Bird. And now we can get the horse. <laughs> All of our basketball is just animal related. Bird Watching is a part of horse. It is an integral aspect of the Horse Hoops podcast. All right, we have a new section called Bird Watching. Where yeah, we it's a segment. It's a podcast within a podcast. <laughs> If we had bird watching as a segment, the sound bite I would do would be <gasps> either bird calls or it would be like, Shh. like, don't scare the birds. I think it should be Birdman the rapper going in one of his rap songs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Birdman, don't sue us because we're going to use that. Before we get into the NBA, we've got a little bit of housekeeping, mainly in that we have new patrons to welcome to our team over at patreon.com slash horsehoops. So huge shout out to Rachel Guthrie and Woody Loverude who joined the team. So thank you guys so much. And of course, an enormous shout out to our producer level patrons, Teal and Samuel Minor. They never have to dust off their shoes when they're playing basketball. They're just always wonderfully grippy and not slick. Ooh, that's good. And if you're listening to the show and you think of someone that might enjoy it, please tell them. It really does help a lot. And then we can have more and more friends to talk about basketball or these crazy stories with, whether it be in person, on Twitter, anything like that. So thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. You're all great. Keep doing what you're doing. And with that taken care of, we can move into our first segment of the episode, which is Full Court Press. Get it? Like the news? Yes. Yes, I understand. Oh. Good, 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 good. <laughs> the first bit of NBA news that I wanted to discuss is that the Timber Bulls are in full effect. Tom Thibodeau, coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, just signed Luol Dang, who was recently bought out by the Los Angeles Lakers, to a contract. Now, this is of note because when Tom Thibodeau coached the Bulls, he coached a lot of the players that are now on the Minnesota Timberwolves, including Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, and Derrick Rose. So now the team has two guys who are very washed up, one guy, Taj Gibson, who's kind of washed up, and one man, Jimmy Butler, who's good at basketball, but they're all from Tom Thibodeau's previous coaching regime. And this is a common theme we see in the NBA, Doc Rivers did the same thing when he started coaching the Clippers. He got Paul Pierce on the team. He got Big Baby on the team. So it's it's an interesting trend of wanting something you're familiar with, which I get, but not necessarily when it's over-the-hill NBA players. Exactly. These guys are always past their prime. Again, we're talking about NBA years here. But these guys are past their prime. They can't actually help. So you're just bringing dudes in who you already know about. If you're worried about comfort as an NBA coach and you're bringing in guys who you know, guys who you coach, who will hopefully have your back no matter what, I guess that makes sense. But they're not going to do anything to actually help the cause to actually get more wins other than being like a veteran presence. Like they're not going to motor the team forward. I guess you could say it's a veteran presence type thing, but it seems like the Timberwolves have enough. The other thing that maybe is the factor is that if you look at Luol Deng's stats, you want to know how many games Luol Deng played last year? Was it like two and a half? 
It was one. Oh, my, wait. Uh, so he's fresh. He is very fresh. He played one game. He scored two points. He had one turnover, one steal, and one assist. He shot 50% from the field. <laughs> so he's well-rested. That's good. <laughs> if you need someone with fresh legs, just bring him on to the Timberwolves. And because Tom Thibodeau is also notoriously known for overplaying his players, fun other stat about Luol Deng. The only things he's ever led the league in is games played and minutes played, both of which were when Tom Thibodeau was coaching him. <laughs> very important. Those are very important things. It's funny how much the NBA is just like office politics. Mm-hmm. You have all these teams that are pulling players in different directions, and you're trying to get them hired like to different departments in the NBA. If you think about mm-hmm. teams as different departments in a company, I mean, this is happening at, well, I just quit this job, but this is happening mm-hmm. at the job that I, I just left. Our old creative director went from our department to like digital marketing, and then he mm-hmm. hired away within like five months. He hired away two people who were working in my department, and hilariously, Jeez. my like boss, boss, boss. Well, your former super boss. Well, my current, my current super boss is so <laughs> mad at the guy who left that he like tried to bring in HR and all this stuff to get it to stop. Oh, jeez. So I'm surprised that the Bulls aren't frustrated that they're getting pulled away to the Timberwolves. But maybe the Bulls know they don't need all these like old dudes playing on their teams. Like, yeah, take them off my hands. We didn't want them. They ate all the snacks in the pantry, and they never contributed <laughs> when it was Laura's birthday. So it's fine. That's fine by me. One of my favorite elements of this Luol Deng signing is that the Timberwolves can now run out a lineup that features Luol Deng, Gorgie Dang and Dang Adele. They have three players on their roster whose name roughly translates to Dang. (laughs) And if the three of them are not on the court at the same time and broadcasters don't make fun of it, I will lose my mind. It's Jimmy Butler and the Dangs. (laughs) That's my favorite 1950s sock hop group. Yeah, Butler and the Dangs. My favorite sequel to Benny and the Jets. (laughs) They say, you know, they sang that 1953s hit. I'm going to shoot it from three and probably miss. Mm -hmm. It's a banger, (laughs) literally, because it clanged off the rim. In parentheses from a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So that's the Timberwolves news. And one other piece of NBA news that I thought was very fun is my previous friend and now person that I'm glad isn't on my team anymore, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo (laughs) Anthony is a big fan of wearing hoodies when he works out. There's all these Instagram videos and Twitter videos and all sorts of things when he works out in off-season basketball scrimmage games and pickup games. He wears a hoodie while he plays. I don't get this. I don't get this. I get it when you're warming up and the new Nike Thermoflex Showtime jackets that I always look at on Nike.com but decide $150 is way too much for a jacket. Is that a real thing? It sounds like you just pulled words from a word cloud. It's literally called the Nike Thermoflex Showtime. They're very nice and not exaggerating. If the Knicks one came with a different Knicks logo and not their current Knicks logo, I would have bought one. Just go to Oregon <laughs> and like sneak in and steal one. Hey, hey, Nike, I got an idea. You need a heist. <laughs> so you, This is their last heist before you move. <laughs> I got one last job. We're gonna hit the Nike. We're gonna hit the Nike. Oh yeah, I'm moving to New York. I guess I should say that on the podcast. Woohoo! Yay! We can go to games together. We're gonna be live for these episodes instead of over Skype. This is gonna be wonderful. We're gonna go to so many Knicks games. It's gonna be so I'm very terrible excited. for our I'm personal. Very feelings. excited. So the players wear these 
Thermoflex jackets that have a hood Thermoflex, in them. Thermoflex Showtime. Uh, Thermoflex Showtime zip-up athletic a- wear. Applesauce. <laughs> they have hoods, and I get that for warming up because by covering your ears and b- having a hood on, you feel more focused. So I can understand NBA players doing that for warm-ups, but when you're playing five-on-five five in a scrimmage, having a hood on is a bad idea because your peripheral vision is limited, your ears are limited, it definitely doesn't make you better, but Hoodie Mello is a real thing. He loves wearing this hoodie and it became a bit of a meme. So the reason this is relevant is the Houston Rockets, Mello's new team, which I'm very excited to see all my Houstonian friends very quickly turn on him because he's going to be uh, garbage. They posted a photo of them doing a summer beach workout, which is very popular for teams in the off season. So they did a whole bunch of running and other sort of cardio workouts on the beach. And then they took a team photo where they're all sweaty and most people are wearing shorts and no shirt or a tank top or a swimsuit or whatever, but not Hoodie Mellow. Hoodie Mellow's got shorts on, but he's got a hoodie. And they were in Florida, and someone replied to this tweet, which was tweeted by Chris Paul. Someone replied to the tweet with the weather.com forecast of what that day was, and it was 82 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) (laughs) That is dedication to an article of clothing. So obviously, we will put the link to this picture on the episode page at horsehoops.com. Carmelo is exactly the kind of person you would think who dresses incorrectly for the beach? Oh, 100%. He does he's knows. got shoes and socks and everything. Yeah, oh no, he's the guy who wears Jordans to the beach. Ugh. He's always one person. You look over and you're like, don't you care about your sneakers? Like, don't you know where you are right now? Did you just stumble off the court and now you're beaching it up? I do not enjoy flip-flops at all, but Hate. for Hate. the longest time, I just, I don't, they, you can't move actively in them they're loud they're annoying i don't find them comfortable you're supposed to announce yourself while you're walking down the street gross but oh hey bro it's useful when you go to the beach (laughs) Uh, flip-flops are so bad everyone if you're going out you know with human beings and you're thinking oh i should wear flip-flops don't you're incorrect (laughs) if this is your thought don't do it and don't you dare wear it with jeans oh my goodness Get out of here, please. Hi, I'm Mike from the hit podcast, Horse. If you think that flip-flops are cool, you got another thing coming. The more you know. I, yep, pretty much. Three on three. Three reasons why flip-flops suck and three more reasons why flip-flops suck. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, I'm glad that we're going to spend the entire NBA season talking about how glad we are that we don't have to interact with Carmelo on a regular basis. I'm so glad he's not on my team. Last season was a breeze. I'm so excited. No, he's somebody else's problem. It's fine. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Really looking forward to it. Mike, things are so strange in the history of Mm -hmm. the NBA. I feel like I'm going to look into it a little bit. I hope you pull on your gloves because this is That Actually Happened. (gasps) That Actually Happened. This is going to be a little bit medical. I know you just came back from the doctor, so I think you're fully prepped. I did. I'm so ready. You have your amoxicillin and your rhinoplasty. Mike, did you know that an NBA superstar refused to be signed because of a rectal exam? (laughs) What? Yep. What is he like? He doesn't want people touching his butt? That is exactly what happened. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. I told you we're getting medical. Can I just guess the year in which this happened, just judging by what the world was like at this year? Did this happen in 2003? No, it did not happen in 2003. 
Wow, when did it happen? This happened in 1979. Oh, wow. Okay. Way back. I thought, I said 2003 because that was like peak when people would say, oh, yeah, this guy's good at basketball. No homo. It's like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you're allowed to compliment a man. Mike, I just want you to know that you're a great podcast host, and we're also becoming closer friends by doing this. No homo, though. Like, at all. <laughs> thank, like, not even a little bit. Thank you for ruining bit. the sentiment of everything you've just said. Just not even a little bit. This has nothing to do with sex between two men or two women, and I want you to know that before I tell you <laughs> yeah. nice things. I need you. I need to be very clear with you. <laughs> this has nothing to do with gay sex. Oh my goodness! Tell me about this <laughs> butt exam. Okay, so the NBA superstar in question is Pete Maravich. Oh no, Pistol Pete! I have the Pistol oh. Pete. Man. I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, Pistol Pete Maravich is one of the most recognizable stars of the 1970s. This was around mm-hmm. the time where the NBA, you could still be like a fast white dude and be successful. But he was actually... You can, you can, you can, you can still do that? Yeah, less so. Definitely less so. Less so, but you still can do yeah. it. <laughs> he was like <laughs> the passer. He was the point guard of the 1970s. It was all about no looks and behind the backs and everything like that. I actually have a really cool video that I'm going to post in the notes uh, so you guys can see how talented Pistol Pete was. I'm going to put a link to a Clyde Frazier highlight reel because he was the true point guard of the 1970s. And he was all right, on the sh- Take it out. Take it out, Mike. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> so Pete Maravich kind of was recognizing the fact that he was at the tail end of his career and he wanted to compete on a playoff team. He was a free agent, but he was old. This is NBA old. And especially in 1979, he was just like achy and had all these pains because he was not taking care of his body at all. These dudes would just like smoke at halftime and eat whatever and fly commercially. And they were wearing Converse Chuck Taylors as basketball shoes. I'm sorry. Those are sandals. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's no support on those things at all. You look at the NBA now and they've got compression sleeves and compression shorts and tights and multiple pairs of engineered socks and they sleep in hyperbaric chambers and they all have chartered flights. The fact that they played more than 10 years under their circumstances is baffling. It's insane. I wear Chuck Taylors now and I like walk and then I roll my ankle and then I die. (laughs) So I don't know how people were doing athletic things in these shoes. So Pete Maravich was in his 30s and he was not doing well. Pistol Pete could have signed with either the 76ers or the Celtics, both who had legitimate championship aspirations. So I got the most of my research from a Deadspin article, which profiles some biographies that talk about this, and I'm really excited to share. So it's January 21st, 1980, and he arrives in Philadelphia where he's greeted by the general manager, whose name is Pat Williams. There aren't that many issues. I mean, he has these aches and pains, but they really want to look at Maravich's knee. (laughs) I I thought you were going to say, they'd really want to look at Maravich's butt. Just look right in the butt. (laughs) What's going on in there, guy? What's (laughs) What's going on down there, buddy? I promise this is a medical, this is a medical section. (laughs) (laughs) okay so it seemed like the 76ers were gonna sign pistol pete most excitingly this would get a chance for pete maravich to play with dr j with julius irving man that would have been so much fun it would have been crazy another totally revolutionary player i mean everyone knows dr j for his ability to dunk but as an older point guard pete maravich could have literally just like thrown alley-oops to dr j and that would have been like their entire offense the 76ers were so sure about this that williams had taken the liberty of having a sixers jersey embroidered with Maravich's name and the New York Times reported in a headline on the sports page 
age that Pete was likely to sign with the 76ers. I just want to say, making a jersey is not a grandiose gesture. No. <laughs> it, it, it maybe cost them $60. And if they're wrong, I mean, it just makes you look <laughs> silly. It's like, then you have this jersey. If, if they're wrong, you just throw it out or donate it to charity. But by the time the paper hit the stands, Pete had signed with Boston instead of Philadelphia. Philadelphia owner Fitz Dixon, which is such a 1980s name, was irate. Yeah, that is the most 1980s name I've ever heard. I've never watched an episode of Miami Vice, but it sounds like the main character of Miami Vice should be named Fitz Dixon. Yeah. That name has a mustache and extremely Wait, shiny Oh, shoes. no. Oh, no. His name is Fitz Dixon? Yeah. Fitz Dixon? Oh, I hate that. Oh, no. It's a porn star name. That is a porn star name. That's not a real name. <laughs> That's why he definitely Fitz has a mustache. Dixon? So I'm not going to say his name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the Philadelphia owner called up Williams and was like, Fitz Dixon! <laughs> Okay. The Philadelphia owner called up Williams and screamed at him, how did you screw this up? Williams didn't have an answer. In time, though, he would attribute the loss of Maravich to an overzealous physician who insisted on administering a rectal examination as part of the physical. I mean, I'm the only thing I'm going to say is that when you're getting up there in age, you got to check out the prostate. And for someone entering their mid to late 30s, that should be a normal thing. I guess, but like he was just looking at his knee. Yeah, that's a bit much. It's like, ah, uh, sorry, I got to take a look at your <laughs> knee. Drop your pants. I hope that saying overzealous means that this dude was being obnoxiously pushy about it. Because I would hope that Pistol Pete is big enough of a man where the doctor says, okay, I was considering doing a rectal examination. How do you feel about that? And Pistol Pete could just be like ah no thank you and then if the doctor goes no you gotta do it then that's weird you super but need to have if, this rectal exam <laughs> but if the doctor just went like all right um we're gonna check out your rectal area and <laughs> then this will be goes what 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 about huh, uh, uh, what no i'm leaving screw philadelphia if that was pistol pete's reaction then that's a bit more of a problem honestly i think it was that i definitely think it was that. oh no Oh, man, Pete, come on. William says that Pete was really put out by the fact that he had to do a rectal exam when he didn't think that he needed to. And, I mean, Maravich picked the Celtics, and he actually didn't even play that much. I mean, this was the 1980s team where there were so mm -hmm. many talented players on the Celtics at the time. He chose to, like, not compete, to, like, not even be able to play or be an integral part of the offense and just, like, sit on the sidelines. What's weird to me about this and how I don't relate to this at all, if a doctor told me to do anything, I would do oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Anything. If a doctor was like, all right, I'm going to need you to put your pinky toe into your right ear, I'd be like, yes, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. This makes sense. Yeah. I would do anything because I know a lot of my friends who have gone to med school, you study for over a decade. You're learning for over 10 years i would trust anything a doctor said anything yeah this is also the reason why people tell white lies to their dentist and their doctor because like they seem like such a paternal or a maternal figure in front of them it's mm. like you are so smart and you know how to keep my body from exploding and i don't want to tell you that i eat gummy worms three times a week <laughs> the wrap-up of this article is actually really funny not funny but the button is actually pretty funny it's actually kind of sad after the season maravich walked away from basketball due to a combination of his torn up knee and the desire to keep his pride the rectal exam might have been worth it <laughs> which is a nice cap off about pistol pete 
It's like, ah, should have done the I butt guess. exam. So that actually happened. That actually happened. <laughs> so I actually wanted to talk a little wow. bit more about medical exams in the NBA. Medical exams are a little bit complicated when it comes to the NBA because the person's body, the player's body is like their product. And imagine this is like a job review or someone is looking into your references. So it's like the medical examiner needs to look into this player's body to verify if they're ready to play and be a worker. So there's this really complicated relationship between the player representing himself and if there's a trade, two players representing themselves, and then the two teams, the management of those teams to make sure that they are okay. It kind of gets complicated when you think about like the business side of all this stuff. For example, Chris Bosh. The Miami Heat did a medical exam on Chris Bosh, as they sometimes do for their players especially ones who have had medical injuries before and they realized that he had this history of blood clots so the miami heat then refused to play him for like a year a year and a half because he was a medical risk and of course chris bosh mm -hmm. wants to play because he's a player and then they refused to sign him and then all the other nba teams were like no we're not going to sign chris bosh because he can't play he's a medical risk yeah Chris Bosch was legitimately a risk to play on the court because he could have had a heart issue while playing basketball. This happened to Pistol Pete, who we just talked about. It wasn't in an NBA game. It happened in a pickup game later in his life. He had a heart attack and passed away. But if you have heart issues and you're playing a very heart intensive sport, you don't want to do that, especially on an NBA level where millions of people are watching every game. That is a horrible look for a franchise if they play a guy with a known heart risk. But that's the owner's position. I mean, that's the people who are like taking care of the NBA. We're talking about like, I mean, this is kind of like workers' rights. I mean, he is an NBA player. He was signed to a contract yeah. and he wasn't allowed to play. And then the Heat sank Chris Bosch's ability to do his job and be hired anywhere else. Another recent example of medical examiners taking control is a most recent trade between Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Kyrie Irving was on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Isaiah Thomas was on the Boston Celtics. And both of them had these strange nagging injuries. Kyrie Irving mm -hmm. had a procedure on his knee where they put like a wire in there. And Isaiah Thomas hurt his hip throughout the season and came back too soon and re-aggravated his hip injury during the playoffs. So each individual medical examiner had to look into these players. Yeah, Team A can be trying to trade a player to Team B. And Team A might say, this guy's perfectly healthy. But then Team B does a medical examination and goes, no, this guy's not healthy. We don't want him on our team. So you have to do it to make sure that one team is not trying to sell you damaged goods, so to right, speak. Right, because each team has their own individual medical examiners. There's not one for the NBA. Or the commissioner can also step in and be like, hey, this trade isn't right. And some teams clearly have better medical staffs than other teams. For a long time, the Phoenix Suns were praised for having the best medical staff, and a lot of players were lasting long into their career, whereas some of the other teams, you look at the Sixers, for example, There's a, they have very bad injury history, and there was also that concern with Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City where they messed up the stuff with his foot. Kyrie Irving had a similar thing in Cleveland where the doctors with that wire you're talking about, it got infected and that was all weird. So not all medical staffs are created equal. In the case with the Cavs and the Celtics, it seems like both teams were trying to get one over on the other team. I mean, the next year when Kyrie was on the Celtics, when doctors were taking out the wire in his knee, which was just supposed to be like a three to six week operation, they found screws in there, which someone had 
put in that it got infected mm-hmm. and he couldn't play for the rest of the season, especially into the playoffs. The deal with Isaiah Thomas, I mean, this hip injury has kind of ruined his career. He got traded to the Cavaliers. He played like 15 games while he was trying to get his hip back in fight and shape. Then he got traded to the Lakers only a few months later because he was damaged goods. And then in March, he got arthroscopic surgery on that right hip. He finished out the rest of that contract. The Lakers were like, no, you're damaged goods. I do not want you anymore. And now he plays for the Nuggets and is making a hell of a lot less than he was at the Celtics. Only like a year he signed for the veterans minimum the literal minimum he had the famous quote of saying that at the end of his contract which at the time was a steal when that contract ended they were going to have to quote back up the brinks truck for him and then he ended up signing just for a couple million with denver and it was a funny thing that was going around reddit where brinks trucks cannot hold more than one million dollars in them as like a safety security issue so <laughs> in theory he is more accurate based on what they said by making significantly less money I think we should also be worried that Isaiah Thomas is going to plan a heist because he has all this insider information on Brinks trucks. <laughs> so that is a quick history about some significant times in NBA history where medical examinations went wrong. And that actually, that actually happened. happened. It did. That actually happened. It did. Sawbones, if you want to hire me as a guest <laughs> to talk about NBA injuries, I'm right here. Just like, uh, just talking. Well, this, this was time. a very thoughtful and serious and informational version of that actually happened you want a really dumb three on three (laughs) (laughs) i do do, but first i want to make a joke about how i'm a doctor like dr j is a doctor oh yes in that you are not a doctor in which i have a medical degree you do not (laughs) i have a degree i have a phd in ball in dribbling look just because you set a high score on dr mario does not make you a licensed medical professional (laughs) i am a doctor like dr mario and dr pepper are doctors as in i am fun and delicious (laughs) so my three on three one two three three two one three on three i'm so strap in wait hold on you have been hyping this for (laughs) i know like before i even recorded like episode four you're like oh man is it my turn to do three on three because i got a sick (laughs) three on three We are going to be talking about the best three and the worst three elements for the music video to get your head in the game of high school musical fame. (laughs) Oh, no. Mike, I should have seen this coming. You should have. (laughs) I would text you and I'm like, hey, Mike, what are you doing? And you said, practicing choreography. I mean, (laughs) playing sports. Trying to hit the right note. I mean, (laughs) I mean, hanging out, chilling, just hanging. (laughs) kicking it so there are so many things about this that are amazing there are so many things about this that are confusing but if anyone does not know what i'm talking about there was a made for tv movie by disney called high school musical that was absolutely phenomenal and go pause this podcast and watch it right now i'm talking specifically about the scene where they sing get your head in the game and they're playing basketball at a practice are you saying they should get you, get you, get you, get your head in the you game? You gotta get you, get you, get you, get your head in the game. You gotta. Like, what are you doing? You you, you have to do this. It's so, mandatory. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the worst three things first so we can end on the better three things. So the number three worst thing that happens in this music video is the jerseys that they wear. They're garbage sauce. They are absolutely <laughs> gross. They look like they are made of the most uncomfortable material. And they're this weird sleeveless tank top where it's not like your traditional tank top or basketball jersey where it goes nicely over the shoulders it weirdly sticks out 
like past 45 degrees on the shoulder, so to speak. It looks like they have weird shoulder pad situation going on in their jerseys. They're not good at all. I don't like that. It looks like caps on a debutante dress. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, it, it just looks weird. Also, the material is like that really bad polyester material. And maybe this would make sense in that some high schools would have really bad uniforms for the team. However, if you look at the set of High School Musical and the rest of the school, East High School is made of money. Oh, it yeah. is made of money. Their gym is enormous. The cafeteria is enormous. The production quality of the musical that they do is off the charts. This school has so much money and they can't buy good jerseys for their basketball team, which it's not just a basketball team. They win the state championship in every season, like all the time. <laughs> so you would think that they would get some good jerseys or at least have some sort of sponsorship deal with a major brand, whatever. They're gross. Also, everyone on the team is wearing the same shoes and they're not basketball shoes. They're like those cheerleader, vague, generic athletic shoes. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I actually know yeah. exactly what you're Which talking about. Which I guess makes sense for the musical aspect of High School Musical, but not basketball. They are not wearing basketball shoes. And every single kid is wearing the same shoes, which is rare. They should just wear Capizios and just like be done with it. What is a Capizio? Yeah, how do you not? Oh, that's right. You were a cool kid in high school. I forgot about that. You in Latin. <laughs> you were just like so cool. Capizios are... I did have cameo roles in a couple plays. Ooh. Yeah, I did a cameo role in Hello, Dolly to try to pick up a girl. And it worked. So but just like Potterless, like a month huh? later. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there that. you go. So I was a theater kid in high school. Yeah, Eric's gonna reveal some things about himself. I was we in Shakespeare. I was in a bunch of musicals. I was in a chorus line. I fucking crushed it in a chorus line. Cool. I just want you. To what know. are Capizios? I just have uh, the gold hat from Chorus Line. I'm just saying, I was really good in a Chorus Line. I was Greg, if anyone cares. I was really good in a Chorus Line. So Capizios Mm -hmm. are a brand of dance shoe. And they were like high quality. It was like a really big deal in the tri-state area. Like it was the best shoe you could ever get. And they were kind of just like a soft shoe. It was like a soft shoe. And it didn't really have any support. There was like a defined sole and like a defined heel. But everything else was just kind of like... Oh, now I get to share something that'll also break your mind as I do once per episode. So my sister did dance growing up at like a dance company. And from fifth grade to eighth grade, I did hip hop at this dance company. (laughs) Did you dance to Welcome to Miami? I feel like that was the perfect song. The songs I did it to were Gossip Folks by Missy Elliott. Good one. um, Good. Pop by NSYNC, I think. That makes sense. I think that was the first one I did. And then I did one was a mashup of Janet Jackson songs, Ooh. which was really good. Okay. And I don't remember the fourth because it was one of those things where like you have a recital once a year. But in one of them, I was good enough where we had a trio of just the three dudes from the Gossip Folks one. And they got us all the getups just like the music video, like those Adidas zip up jackets and the khaki what? shorts like we look like school uniforms. It was great. And I won a couple gold medals. You guys got medals for dance? Yeah, there's like competitions and stuff. So you have like the normal recitals, but then you have your all-star team, so to speak. And I was part of that all-star team in this trio of dudes dancing to gossip folks when I was 12 years old. It sounds like all of your secrets are just like you being good at things and winning things. I'm not going to talk about me being bad at stuff. (laughs) 
That's what everyone talks about when they talk about stories from high school. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, this was pre-high school. This is when I was good at stuff. But anyway, the point of this, <laughs> I was around a dance recital theater a lot. And a lot of people had these Capizio shoes. So I know what you're talking about. This brand is very popular. They should have been wearing Capizios while they were playing their ball. And no one would have noticed. That would have looked super dumb. I will put a link to Capizio shoes on the website. <laughs> They're not basketball shoes. Wearing off-brand Spreewells is not bad. They should have just gotten Starberries or something. But anyway, the uniforms, third worst thing. You mean costumes. Oh, no, gross. You know what? Literally, they're actually costumes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. That is true. That is very true. Get on my so level, the sec- Mike. The, se- <laughs> the second worst thing that happens is after they finish the practice, Corbin Blue leads them in a cheer as they are walking out of the gym. And the cheer that they say to galvanize their team is what team? And then everyone else says Wildcats. And then Corbin Blue says, what team? And everyone says Wildcats. I just think it's weird that they're just asking what team they are, not trying to say like, who's the best or who's going to win or who's the champions, whatever. He's literally just asking, what team are we guys? And they're confirming we are the Wildcats, Corbin Blue. Not a really motivational cheer, so to speak. That wasn't written in the script. Corbin Blue's like, I actually have no idea what team are we. <laughs> he was just asking for reference. <laughs> well, I know exactly what we're saying at the end of this episode. Oh, yes. Good, 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 good. The worst element is one of the lyrics stands out. Most of the lyrics are fine. They're very generic, vague basketball terms. But one of the things that Zac Efron sings, uh, well, not actually Zac Efron in this movie, somebody pretending to be Zac Efron because he didn't do the singing for the first movie. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, you didn't know that. No. Zac Efron did not do the singing in the first movie, but he did in the second and the third. No, my favorite Disney Channel original movie was Smart House. Oh, very so good choice. I did not know. Actually, no, it was Full Court Miracle because it was about Jews playing basketball, which <laughs> is my literal entire brand. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't do the singing, but he did do the talkie parts. There is one, there's a very brief, like, talkie bridge part in this that Zac Efron actually speaks, but the singer is different. You know, in the first cut of it, he doesn't actually do his lines. It's actually Christopher Walken. Whoa, hey. Whoa, get your head in the game. Wow. Yeah, I got this watch, you see. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, I've never sang before. Oh, that was, that was rough. (laughs) We're all in this together. (laughs) You sound like Mr. Dink from Doug. (laughs) I can do it with Ray Romano as Corbin Blue. Or Ray Romano as the guy who's really into making soufflés. Oh, I love the guy who makes soufflés. Okay. Right, Creme, no, no, it's creme brulee. It's not soufflé. Oh, it's creme brulee. Okay, I'm ready. Creme brulee. Creme brulee. All right, Deborah. Creme brulee. <laughs> Deborah. You sound vaguely like Charles Barkley now. Uh, Deborah. Basketball. Oh, rebounds. <laughs> Come on, Kenny. Come on, Kenny. Come on, Deborah. Creme brulee. <laughs> what do you mean the Looney Tunes are here? <laughs> What do you mean I can't be two things? This is high school. <laughs> okay. The first worst thing <laughs> that happens is one of the lyrics, which is, quote, <clears throat> make sure we get the rebound because when we get it, the crowd will go wild. Now, this does not <laughs> at all. This is very stretch of a rhyme. But can you imagine in a basketball game, a team gets a rebound and the crowd is like, holy shit. Fuck, yes! <laughs> like, Yo, that kid's going to the NBA. He pulled down that rebound. <laughs> like, the, if you have a comical, ridiculous rebound, sure. But if you just get a rebound, you're not going to get cheers. The, the crowd is not going to go wild. <laughs> Mr. President of the Lakers, I saw the best high school player today. Well, what did he do? 
He pulled down one rebound. Sir, it was magical. We have Sign to that draft. man right now. <laughs> so those are the three worst things that happened in the music video. Let's get onto the three best things. So the third best thing in this music video is just the song itself. It is an absolute jam. It is so phenomenal. Just the fact that the beat starts with basketballs dribbling and shoes squeaking is great. And then all of the other singing and the rest of the music comes in. It's just a very catchy song in general. And the beat itself is very good. It's got a phenomenal rhythm to it. Nice. What is the rhythm? How does it go? Uh, like of the beat? It's like. Like do a quick beatbox. Yeah. Me. The dribbling is like. Dum, da, dum, da, dum, 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 da, dum, da, dum, dum, dum. And then the shoe squeaks come in. Squeak, so it's like. Dum, da, dum, da, dum, dum, squeak, squeak, dum, da, dum, da, dum, dum, squeak, squeak. All right, now I'm gonna do the squeaks, and you do the dribble. Squeak, squeak, squeak. It weirdly kind of sounds like something Missy Elliott would rap over. Seriously, <laughs> the jam itself, the third best thing. Now I'm gonna have to hack into the mainframe, get the stems from all of this, and put Missy Elliott doing "Get Your Freak On" on top of the beat. Oh, that would be very good. Listeners out there, if you have Fruity Loops, please do this for us. We would really appreciate it. <laughs> the that. second best thing in this music video is Zach Efron's basketball form. Okay. He is legitimately very good at basketball. He has a very nice shot. There are multiple scenes in the music video where it is full cut him taking the ball, dribbling it, shooting it, and you watch it go in so you know it actually happened. Unlike other movies that use very creative cuts and edits to make it seem like a basket was made, but you don't know if it actually was made. Right. Zac Efron's legitimately good at basketball, and it's important, and it's nice that this main character is supposed to be good at basketball, and then he shoots, and you're like, oh yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. It makes it believable, and it's very fun, and very satisfying to watch without cuts someone just like pull up from three and just drain it and in contrast in corbin blue's form garbage sauce <laughs> real bad it's not good he shoots one at the end so the song ends with the entire team shooting at a basket at the same time and they all have their own basketball corbin blue's form really bad really 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 bad and if you watch it i watched the videos enough where the camera angle is like right under the hoops so you can't exactly see where all the balls go but if you follow the trajectory of corbin blue's ball and then the shadow afterward he bricks it really bad off the rim like not close to going in <laughs> Mike, you're an engineer. Don't you like have some of those mapping programs where you can follow something? I might. Maybe I'll have to do it. <laughs> do it. Please do it. I want to see that. I found exactly how bad this miss was. The first best thing in the entirety of Get Your Head in the Game is the bridge. The bridge is so good. It is musically very good. It is thematically good. And it is also very important to the plot. So plot-wise, for everyone that is not caught up to speed, Troy Bolton, Zac Efron, is the star of East High School's basketball team, which is very good. But over New Year's, before this school semester started, he's basically forced to sing a karaoke duet with Gabriela Montez, Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. And then he has this internal dilemma where the auditions for the musical are going on and he has this interest, but it is so different from what he has done his entire life, which is just eat, sleep and breathe basketball. So he's struggling. Just yeah. Ball. So before the scene, he sang auditioning for the high school musical, and now he's coming to grips with what should I do? So in the bridge. 
Oh, that's why they call it High School Musical. <laughs> that's right. And the whole get your head in the game thing is trying to say that he needs to get his head in the game and focus on basketball because they're going to be in the state championships. He's got to stop thinking about this singing nonsense, and the bridge really brings it home. I'm going to preface all of this with saying I'm very bad at singing, so please don't judge me. This is not something I would brag about on horse, but the bridge goes a little bit something like, why am I feeling so wrong? My head's in the game, but my heart's in the song. She makes us feel so right. And then he drops into spoken, which is actually Zac Efron and not the person singing. And he goes, should I go for it? Better shake this. Yikes. And that's the end of the bridge. <laughs> he says, yikes. It ends with yikes. <laughs> it ends with yikes. And then it goes back into, I gotta get my, get my, get my, get my head in the game. <laughs> Well, the thing that you didn't see on screen, uh, which the camera didn't catch, was that Zac Efron looked down and there were like 10 mice at his feet. And he's like, yoinks, there are so many mice. (laughs) So aside from this just being a great song moment, it also talks about the plot. He's coming to grips with, oh my goodness, I'm feeling strange. My head's in the game, but my heart's in the song. She makes this feel so right. Like The only thing that is making him question this thing that he has done his entire life is this girl that he clearly has such strong feelings for, and it's the power of love to make him step out of his comfort zone. It's great. So the bridge is amazing musically, and also thematically, in the music video, all the lights just drop, and it's spotlight on Zac Efron, and just zoom in on his face while he does this at center court. Oh, it is so good. It's easy the best part of the entire thing. <laughs> I appreciate that you wrote all of the genius notes for the lyrics for Get Your Head in the Game. Oh, no, no, no. I just know them by heart. <laughs> then you should definitely write them and add this literary canon to the internet. Please, Mike, do not keep all the introspection that you have about Zac Efron deciding between the game or the song. You can be a verified user, Michael Schubert, on Genius. I could do it. I could do it. So, yeah, that is the top three and the bottom three elements of Get Your Head in the Game of High School Musical. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you think, is the high school team from East High School, are they actually good? Or is it just like they have to be good because they say it's Just that? by pure fact of they make it to the state championship every year, they are good. I think Zac Efron is a very good player. They don't actually play much basketball in the movies. There's a little bit of it in the first one, and I believe there's more in the third. I would have to go through and watch to see if they actually look good. From this practice, they don't look that great because a large majority of their dance moves that they do are travels. So that's not great that they're doing this at practice. They should probably do it. Yeah, they should probably, you know, practice like you play. Don't travel. Singing, sure. What I always liked about High School Musical is that it's this classic, oh, should I do like sports, which is for dudes, or should I do the musical, which is like something different. But like it's framed as a high school musical. So like you always know that he's going to do the musical and he's an actor. All of you people chose doing musicals in the first place. Like I don't believe you're actually sports. Well, people. what I am very jealous of that Zac Efron's character, Troy Bolton, had the ability to do was play basketball and be in the musical at the same time. Whereas my high school, you had to pick one or the other, which is why I always always did sports instead of plays because the plays that they chose were never ones that were cool enough for me to jump ship into the theater world. It was stuff like The Man Who Came to Dinner and The Music Man and Hello Dolly and To Kill a Mockingbird and not stuff that I wanted to do like Grease or West Side Story or fun plays. It was all these like, eh, what? Oh, uh, the Crucible? Really? Your ideas of which musicals are dope and which ones are whack is all over the place. West Side Story's the best. That's true. The best. But Hello Dolly fucked. Uh, it was it was all right. It was all right. It's all about going to New York City and like everyone just like fucks. That's it. That's the whole entire <laughs> plot. 
Hello is fine. My bigger problems were with the Music Man, the Man Who Came to Dinner, My Fair Lady, and the Crucible. Those were oh, the Crucible's whack. Yeah, the Crucible's whack. I don't even know the Man Who Came to Dinner, and also the it's Music Man good. is. I don't like the Music Man. I hate the Music Man because the main song of like he's a music man. It's like shut up. Shut the fuck up. Uh, the whole plot of the play is that this dude just lies about being good at shit. It's like, wow, what what a phenomenal play. This piece of shit. Uh, I don't even want it. He's a cod man. <laughs> and I don't like how the Wells Fargo yeah. wagon is rolling into town. Wells Fargo gives terrible student loans. Fuck you, Wells Fargo. Oh, also, Wells Fargo has done some really bad things recently, and they've had to pay lots of fines. The Wells Fargo wagon is a coming in and is going to do terrible things for finance. That's how the song Well, goes. now that we know that, I think that can conclude this three-on-three segment and this episode of Horse. But Eric, thanks for sitting down and chatting with me about basketball and so many other things that were not basketball. Thanks for listening to my impressions of Christopher Walken and Ray Romano. Deborah, <laughs> Deborah, <sighs> Deborah, pass me the ball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The theme song is by Bettina Campomanes. Art by Allison Wakeman. And website by Kelly Beckman. Get you, get you, get you, get your head in the game and find us on the internet. You can find us at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook. But on Twitter, you can find us at Horse underscore Hoops. And as we say every single episode, it's because Horse Hoops, Horse Hoops, was, Hoops banned. was banned. If you want access to bonus content like extra audio or an extended three-on-three where it's five-on-five, you can go to patreon.com slash Horse Hoops. And if you want any other information about stuff that we talked about in this episode, you can go to the episode pages on horsehoops.com. Who are we? Wildcats. Just kidding, we're Multitude. Multitude is a collective of wonderful audio people and podcasts, and we want you to listen to all of our shows. You can catch me on Join the Party. You can catch Mike on Potterless. You can catch Amanda and Julia on Spirits. And you can catch Amanda and Eric Schneider on Waystation. We love all of our shows, and we think you will love them. And if you want more information on those shows, you can go to multitude.productions. But Eric, let's put our hands in and say the resounding cheer of East High School. I will ask you about the team that we happen to be playing for, and you will let me know what that team is. So, hands in. One, One two, two, three. three. What team? Wildcats. What team? Wildcats. Wait, but 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 what team? We're what the team wi- Mike, we? we're the Wildcats. What, what team are we? We're the Wildcats. What, what, which, what? Mike, what I'm telling you, you need to listen what? to me. Mike, why is our, I'm the, why is we're the so Wildcats. Ge- how do we have the most generic name, East High School, and the most generic mascot, Wildcats? These Wildcats are possible? to the east. That's how you remember it. It's the How did no voice. one write a better answer to this? How did no one write a better script to this? I'm Corbin Blue, and I'm telling you, we're Wildcats. <laughs> what team? Wildcats. <laughs> I'm just going to do a fade over, the, over this. What team are we? I keep forgetting. I can't remember. Oh, God.